0: So, it usually starts around November 1st and then it goes all the way up until my birthday, which is March 19th. So around my birthday, i that's when I start to see glimmers of hope. So basically, it's just the lack of vitamin D that you're getting because it's raining so much and it's just cloudy and gloomy and that's causing your depression. So it's very odd to explain it to someone because I've had people ask, well, why are you depressed? Why do you have depression? There's not always a reason for it, um, although I do believe there are some reasons for mine as well and why it takes place in the wintertime, which I'll get into a little bit, just a little bit. But um, it's really weird to just say, oh, it's raining, and that's why I'm really sad and I can't get out of bed today.
1: On this episode of Gum, Something to Chew On, we're gonna have a conversation about seasonal depression from the very knowledgeable Mary Rusa. So come join us as we talk about seasonal depression treatment options and what people go through that suffer from this.
2: Heather, thanks for inviting me uh, to talk about seasonal depression. Um, My name is Mary Bauer-Russa and I'm a clinical psychologist. I actually have worked in practice with patients with all types of um, mental health challenges. Currently now I'm working as a professor at Grand Valley State University. I've been there for about 21 years and I teach mostly classes that have to do with health psychology and also um, classes that have to do with mental health.
1: Great. Perfect. So I I just am so excited to kind of get into this a little bit with you and the, you were the first person I thought of. We did an understanding depression and suicide um, program at the church from Church and Society in 2019. And you facilitated yes. that yeah, a little that bit. Is that correct? I,
2: um, that was, I think, a great opportunity to talk about some mental health issues. Um, you know, in the in the church, and we had people from the community that came from outside to that as well. I remember.
1: Yes, it, it, was, it was so helpful, and I, now that I feel like mental health is getting such an awareness, and so many more people are getting, are being more open about it. Um, I just thought that that would be great right now. I mean, of course we live in Michigan, so I thought let's talk about seasonal depression. So do you wanna go in a little bit about what right. seasonal depression well, is?
2: Um, in, in Michigan, this is something that we see at much higher rates than um, you would see it in places like Florida. So it really is a type of depression where the person has symptoms that may be similar to other depression that people experience. So that would be um, characteristics like feeling sad, uh, being tearful, Uh, lack of energy, um, maybe problems with concentration or problems with memory. People often have feelings of worthlessness or they end up um, focusing on things that they've done wrong that they regret, feeling guilty about things. And, um, And those types of symptoms, problems with sleep are also common. And those types of symptoms characterize depression in general. But when we're talking about seasonal depression, Um, The pattern that we see is that people tend to have these symptoms, um, particularly during the winter months. And so the cycle is that they may have onset of symptoms typically around October. Um, the symptoms kind of worsen. And typically, they're at their worst, like in January and February, where we live anyway, and then tend to improve as we start moving, you know, to the end of winter and into the spring. And it's a relatively predictable pattern for people who are prone to this. So often each summer, they feel substantially better. But the next winter, they experience the pattern over again. Um, And the one thing I would mention is um, with the seasonal pattern of depression compared to typical depression. Um, With typical depression, people often have loss of appetite and weight loss, um, as well as problems sleeping. Um, But with the seasonal pattern of depression, you're more likely to see a person have um, kind of an increased appetite, weight gain, and then typically sleeping too much. So the person is sleeping much more than they would normally be sleeping. So those Patterns uh, are a little bit different when you look at regular depression versus seasonal, but the other characteristics tend to be very
1: similar. Yeah, they are really similar. Um, What do you say? Like, I, I kind of even feel this. So, I, I don't feel it really up until January. You have the holidays. You have Thanksgiving. You have Christmas. It's such a happy time of year, and you have a lot of get-togethers and. I, I love the snow at Christmas time and all that passes. And then you have Christmas and then you have new year. And then after new year, I'm just like, well, what's not, what's left now? I mean, it, it's, it's, it is, it's sad. I mean, the, the lack of sun, everything. And you don't, I just feel like you don't have anything to really look forward to. Yeah. Is that that is really like, what you see. So
2: People, like I said, people often will begin, people who are prone to this pattern may begin to feel it in October, but often there is, you know, more energy around the holidays and kind of things that you have to do or things that you're excited about. And as you said, gathering with friends, gathering with families, kind of a lot to look forward to. And in January, it's a combination of Um, you're actually in January and February um, hitting like December and January are going to be kind of the least sunlight exposure. And so, you know, it's a little bit lagged to have an impact on you. And so January to February is when people are usually feeling their worst and they're feeling their worst already, probably because some of some of the biological processes, but then when you add just sort of the psychological letdown of, you know, that the holidays are over, there's still a long winter ahead um, as you mentioned, not a lot of sunlight exposure. Um, a lot of people end up being inside because it's so cold and icy and stuff outside. Um, it's definitely the case that all that kind of works together to contribute to people kind of struggling in January and February. Um, and and like I said, you see this um, at at all different um, sort of latitudes if you look around the world, but you do see it in more, you see a larger percentage of the population affected by this the further north that you go. So in Michigan, it's about 6% of the population. Um, In some other areas that are further north of us, the rate actually goes up. And then if you go down to Florida, it's like 1% of the population. So it is associated with sunlight exposure.
1: I'm really surprised that it's only 6%. I don't know why. I just figure like Michigan, I I, I feel like when I was um, looking into this, I saw a lot about Michigan and the lack of sunlight can be one of the most depressing states to live in in the winter, um, especially because like I said, just that lack of sunlight, but um, I also read mm-hmm. Canada. Yeah, suffer is really bad. Um, yeah, north, and I think that a, also a, a large the majority is,
2: uh, like I'm uh, the rates in New Hampshire. Like when you get further north, it's it's closer to ten percent in New Hampshire. Um, but but I think that one of the things is that even though there may be a small no- smaller number of people who literally meet the clinical diagnostic criteria, there seem to be a much larger number of people who experience kind of the winter blues or the winter blahs, where it may not be quite as severe as the people who are diagnosable, but they do notice consistent changes in mood around it. Um, and you mentioned that you mentioned Michigan being dark. I, the dramatic thing that I um, that I experienced is I had lived in Michigan for quite some period of time here in school. And so I lived here through four different winters and I moved to the University of Iowa and I was in Iowa And it was a shock to me because Iowa is frigidly cold and, you know, really, really dramatic wind chills, but just sunlight. I mean, like my memory of Iowa is like white, crunchy snow and just blaring sunlight. Like you had to keep track of your sunglasses. And to me, it was such a shocking contrast to what I had experienced when I lived in Michigan that I wasn't even aware of how kind of cloudy and gloomy Michigan could get in winter until I experienced that in Iowa. So, yeah, Michigan definitely has a reputation. You know, it's not only that we're north, it's that we tend to have um, quite a heavy cloud cover over the winter. And so our days of sunlight in the winter are um, pretty small in comparison to even some other places that are in the northern latitudes.
1: Right, right. What what do you have to say about I, I read a lot about women usually are affected by this? Yeah, more than it's men. a
2: common pattern. So one of the consistent patterns that we see is that in general, women are more likely to experience all types of depression than men are. Um, and the pattern is that they tend to be about, you know, consistently twice as likely to experience depression as men are um, with traditional depression. There are kind of many theories about why this is, um, but some of the theories focus on things like um, some characteristics of childhood upbringing, some exposure to stress and traumas that are more common for women than for men. And also kind of um, patterns of thinking that women have that are more characteristic of women and men. Like for example, women have an inclination to beat themselves up more about things, a pattern that we call rumination than men do. So when women make a mistake, they often can't let it go and they keep kind of, you know, beating themselves up and saying, I should have done this, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and men seem to have an easier time letting themselves off the hook. And those kind of patterns that you find that are gender differences also are associated with risk for depression. And so what seems to be happening with seasonal, um, what we, seasonal depression or what we call seasonal affective disorder um, is that some of those same factors that place people at risk for depression in general probably contribute, but it, there also are some biological mechanisms again with seasonal affective disorder. And so the, the two may um, operate in tandem. So, you know, consistent with other types of depression, it's twice as high in women as men.
1: Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about um, what what are some great. treatment options for people who are, are feeling this? What is something that you really think that people could, could start yeah, helping you know, them it's feel better tricky right
2: now because, because of the situation that's making it harder for people to get out and socialize. But, um, you know, typically there, there are a couple of different things that we look at. One of them is um, trying to maintain a consistent uh, pa- pattern, you know, sort of consistent routine. Um, Because one of the things that often happens as people kind of lose their energy and begin to get these blahs and begin to feel, begin to feel worse. And as I mentioned, this is related to more limited hours of sunlight exposure in the winter. Um, One of the things that happens is as people begin to slide into depression, that other things begin to fall apart. They stop eating you know, they stop eating good meals, they stop taking care of their health, Um, you know, they may be more inclined to socialize or to exercise, and that starts to slip. And so once those things start to go downhill, it easily becomes kind of a snowball effect of everything. And so one of the things we always recommend to people, and I talk to students about this a lot at the university is, you know, even though it's harder to take care of yourself when you don't feel good, it's actually more important that you take care of yourself. And so, you know, eating consistent meals, eating healthy meals, um, trying to get exercise, Um, the research on exercise, you know, in Michigan, this can be challenging in the winter because it is dark so much of the time and because it's icy and slippery and that sort of thing. Um, But getting exercise actually is as effective in treating depression as antidepressant medications. Um, And so exercise really can be both preventative and it can be a treatment. The tricky thing with exercise is that once you already feel depressed, it's really hard to get enough energy because loss of energy is one of the key symptoms. It's hard to get enough energy to force yourself to exercise. So I always try to recommend to people who are more prone to seasonal patterns that you start yourself and begin an exercise program before you hit the months that tend to be really hard. You know, like October, November, if you, you know, you should be forcing yourself yeah. to begin to do some yeah. exercise. And that could be even something as simple as a walk outside with your dog, um, you know, or, um, you know, walking is, is great exercise, you know, up to something that's more dramatic if that's your style. I mean, if you're a person who's into um, things like cross-country skiing or like we've been doing winter hiking or that sort of thing, it just it helps you to feel less housebound, less trapped. Um, you get that exercise, which helps improve your mood and your energy level. And it helps you. Um, it, it, it helps lift your mood, really. Um, and so, yeah, exercise is actually really big. So routines, exercise. And then the third thing is trying to maintain social connection is really big. Um, So, you know, having a support network and being able to reach out to people, um, whether it's by phone or whether it's having a meeting in person or whether it's meeting what what I've been doing a lot with my friends and, and I do have friends that are prone to this is we're meeting to go on kind of snow hikes together or cross country skiing or something like that. So you kind of get the social piece in addition to the exercise at the same time. Um, But but maintaining social connections is really important. Um, And then um, I would say also for some people who are prone to this, depending on whether you have the flexibility, um, getting a shot of sun sunshine um, in a in a latitude that's sunnier than us. Can really be really helpful psychologically, and so some people who know that they're prone to this kind of regularly arrange like a one week trip down to Florida for example, um, where they can actually get that shot of sunshine and they find that that really can not only be something to look forward to you know at a period of time when you don't have as much to look forward to um, but that it can actually can end up um, improving their mood significantly you know for a while after they come back. So that's definitely something that can be helpful as well. And then the final thing I want to talk about is light therapy. Are you familiar with that already, Heather?
1: Yes. Yes. I have read a little bit about this. I actually am really intrigued and want to purchase one for my desk because I have heard so many great things about this, especially if you just sit at a desk a lot of the day. It's great to just turn it on and have it like right on your face. This sounds so nice right now. Yeah. We have so actually, such a I've lack done a of that bit of
2: research on it, and um, and so I can give you like a little bit of information on how people typically do it. The first thing is, um, you know, when when I remember when I started to hear about this initially, I was a little bit skeptical. Like, does this really work? Um, But there actually is really good research that suggests that um, that therapeutic light can be really helpful for people who are prone to these kind of seasonal patterns of depression. So there's no doubt that there is good evidence for it. Um, Of the people who have problems with depression, it seems like about 50 percent do respond well to the light exposure. Um, So I I will mention that um, some other treatments um, that we also use for other types of depression, um, there are medications. And so people who are prone to seasonal patterns of depression sometimes choose to take medication um, that can actually um, kind of prevent them from having as dramatic an effect in the winter um, and some people, it prevents it entirely. And there are also, um, there's cognitive behavioral therapy, which you can um, learn some skills with a therapist to kind of address some of the patterns of thinking that contribute. So I do wanna make sure I mention those, but um, but one of the most interesting, I think, um, lines of research is this line that looks at therapeutic lights. And so, um, in order to actually get the therapeutic effect, uh, you have to use a light that's similar to the types that they've used in the research studies where they show these benefits. And so typically what you're looking for, and there, and there are lots of knockoffs online, so you do have to be a little bit careful that you actually buy that, that meets the, the specifications. right. Um, so typically what you're looking for is, um, first of all, a full spectrum light. Um so you want what you're really doing is trying to emulate sunlight exposure because there's some evidence that Um, The problems that people have have to do with changes in hormone production because of the short days of sunlight in the winter. And it's just the case that some people are more sensitive to that than others. And the people that seem to be more sensitive are the people prone to these seasonal patterns of depression. Um, And so what you're doing is trying to emulate sunlight exposure. So the lights have to be full spectrum. Um, They typically have a UV UV filter on them. So like you're not going to sunburn yourself with these lights. And yeah, and um, it is important that it be actually uh, a reasonable size. So sometimes you'll see people, you know, market little tiny ones that are like the size of your cell phone or something like that. Um, I'm not going to say that might not be enjoyable, you know, um, but that's not going to be a big enough size to get a therapeutic effect. Typically, you're talking about a minimal size that's about the size of like a laptop screen to have some therapeutic benefit. Um, and, um, let's see, uh, it needs to have, uh, it needs to be 10,000 lux, um, is the specification. And then you have to look and see most of the lights are actually designed to emit light at 10,000 lux if you're within 12 inches of the light, but you do have to look at the specifications because you have to, in order to get the therapeutic effect, you have to be the right distance from it. Um, so most of them that I've seen, you want to be 12, uh, 12 inches from it. Um, the you can do something like read in front of it or some of the companies will sell stands so like if you're a person that does exercise on an exercise machine you can actually um you know put it onto a stand so that it's within 12 inches of you while you're exercising and you can get your sunlight exposure and exercise at the same time or you can read a book and exercise at the same time they have desktop versions Um, the key thing that you can't do is fall asleep uh, because in order to get the therapeutic effect, your eyes have to be open and the sunlight has to be hitting your retina. Um, and so your your eyes have to be open for it. And then typically uh, people start with about 30 minutes of sunlight exposure early in the morning, um, ideally first thing when you get up and, and wait to see sort of what effect that has. And then you can kind of increase the amount of time that you spend, or you can switch it over to, you know, morning and evening or that sort of thing and kind of play with it. Um, In the worst case scenario, sometimes people have side effects where they actually get too activated. Like they feel kind of keyed up and on edge and have problems sleeping and that sort of thing. But um, you know, if that happens, you can just uh, dial back your exposure. So.
1: Right. I was going to ask, is there, is there some type of cap for that? Like do people typically, I mean you said start with 30 minutes is there something recommended um the 30 minute limit in the it morning to? is
2: typically the kind of the starting dose and then if this is something you're seriously considering, it, yeah. it is still helpful to talk to a professional a little bit about what they end up recommending. Um, but I've seen recommendations before to add like in segments of maybe 10 minutes in the morning. But the main thing is to, to make sure that nothing is getting worse, right? Um, and as I mentioned, what you tend to see if things are getting worse are right. you know headaches, um, people feeling eye strain, um, people feeling kind of keyed up or agitated or possibly um, problems with insomnia. Are the things that you look for if you're getting too much light exposure?
1: Right, right. I, I have to say, this talking through all of this really makes me. I, so, I already thought I had. Um, when I originally decided I wanted to do something about this was because I feel like I suffer from this, and I didn't realize it until this year, especially with the pandemic. I mean, of course, I feel a lot of people feel a little bit of this because we're living through a pandemic right now. And it's, there's just a lot, you know, you can't get together with, with people like you would normally do. You may not have events or be going to things as usual. And as more as I think about this, I just feel like, I, I don't think that I have ever gone, oh my goodness, I feel this every winter. And, and like I said, I feel like, Mine really comes probably more in January because, like I said, we're usually really busy in December. I don't even have time to think about anything in December, Um, you know, with just families and Christmas and and all the holiday stuff. But when January hits and after New Year, I just really get into that. And so I feel I don't know if the, I feel like the pandemic may be making it worse. Have you seen a, like a, a pattern in that and any and anything that you have read or researched lately? At how yes, The pandemic may be making this worse. When you look
2: at mental health in general, we're seeing dramatically increased rates of mental health problems like throughout the country. We're seeing it in, you know, heavily in moms who have been affected by the pandemic. We're seeing it in students. And so we're seeing increased rates of all different types of anxiety and depression. And so it definitely is the case that this year, um, we're we're having people who maybe haven't even had problems with um, seasonal patterns being affected by it because you get this kind of combination, as you've mentioned, of you know, um, people are already stressed about the pandemic. Um, There is some level of depression and feeling of kind of lack of control, which actually tends to increase people's likelihood to become depressed. And then you've got, you know, that on top of the reduced light exposure, on top of, you know, some of the other kind of social pressures that are going on. Um, And definitely, I would say this year, I'm sure I don't have the numbers at my fingertips, but I would be shocked if the rates aren't significantly higher than in the past, like in um, in our students at the university, we're seeing double to triple the rates of anxiety and depression that we normally see. Um, And so I'm sure that this is the the same, you know, with the seasonal patterns of depression, it's kind of just like that experience of a pile up. Um, And, you know, and so you have people that haven't really experienced this before who who suddenly are beginning to feel it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I have probably had it in, uh, you know, previous um, winters, but I am for sure feeling it this year. And like, like you just said, the pandemic, I just, is just layering it on top. You know, I, I'm a very active person. We get outside all the time. I have two boys, so we're always outside and active. I exercise regularly, you know, I watch what I eat. So I do all these things and, but I had just noticed, like I have reduced energy and I, I don't sleep at night, but I'm tired during. That. Now a little bit of that is just my my routine and my rhythm, and that's just mm-hmm. how I am. I I like to nap during the day, so my doctor's like, "Hey, if, if you take a nap during the day for forty five minutes and you wake up and you feel okay, that's just your rhythm, girl. You go for it. If you can nap, you do it." <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, but and then there's times where like I just feel like I just want to sleep all day. You know, like it, it. There is just no sunlight, and so not being able to go outside or not being able to get together with friends all the time when you don't feel like you can go anywhere. I mean, I'm here at my house all the time. We never leave. It's just, you know, always in these four walls. I just, I can only imagine what some people are feeling um, having to to live all this right now. It's a lot
2: isolated or alone. You know, if you, you know, it adds another layer. If you've lost social connection, Um, Like you said, if, you know, when you have um, people who maybe are in a circumstance where they're not able to be as physically active or go outside because maybe they're worried about, you know, they're not cold tolerant or they're worried about the ice and snow and that sort of thing. And so definitely it just adds additional layers. And so having, like I said, trying to maintain social connection as much as you can um, and also trying to, you know, to the extent you can try to find something that you can look forward to, whether it's, you know, maybe a trip that you're planning for, you know, a month or two from now that sort of thing sometimes like I said some people who always have these patterns in the winter just sort of strategically plan themselves something like in February because it helps get through January February which they know are going to be hardest and I know my daughter has um, seasonal depression and she's struggled with it for years and like her energy level in high school she would really be laying on the floor and just saying you know I can't even go to school like her energy level felt that low and so it is it it is really a struggle and it is you know, it's a real thing and it's a recurrent pattern for many people. And um, when you notice that you're prone to it, coming up with kind of a strategy to deal with it again, whether it's, you know, learning some skills and therapy that may be helpful to prevent it from kind of snowballing or whether it's, you know, trying some medication or whether it's beginning an early exercise regimen or using a light box or that sort of thing, but just kind of experimenting with different approaches um, so that you can have some sort of a sense of control over it and not feel overwhelmed, you know when you experience it again each year, you
1: know it's key right, yeah, for I, that also brings up i you just mentioned your daughter why what, uh, what is the pattern? have you seen anything? with the seasonal depression in kids and youth? Is it is it more adults? Have you also seen this? Yeah, that's in, a good, in children that's a good as question. Well? Um, it
2: certainly is. You know, again, um, seasonal depression is kind of a variant of what we call major depression or general depression. Um, and we used to believe that depression was something that kids just couldn't experience. And we know now that that's definitely not the case. Um, we do see kind of pretty low rates of depression for kids who are in elementary to middle school. Um, and then as we hit high school, kind of um, kind of middle middle school to high school, we see those rates start to climb. So that's where we tend to see the most dramatic onset of depression. And so we, we tend to see it definitely in significantly lower rates, whether it's regular depression or seasonal in kids that are like elementary school age. Um, in adolescence, we definitely see increased onset and we see people continue to Um, experience onset of depression, meaning they're having it for the first time into their 20s and into their 30s. So some people don't experience it for the first time till they're 30. Um, So it definitely is something that kids can experience. It's not impossible for them to experience it. It's going to be much less common in kids that are around elementary age. Um, a lot of times you're gonna see these patterns begin to start again mm-hmm. in, in kind of um, high, around the high school age. Um, with some people, again, girls are more prone than boys are to it. So um, boys certainly can experience it, but we see much higher rates in girls than boys. Um, and like I said, one of the, the definitive pattern Um, in the seasonal pattern is this lack of energy during these winter months. I mean, that's the classic pattern. And then typically in combination with, as I mentioned, some of these other symptoms the you know, problems with, um, you know, with mood and problems with concentration and memory and sleep and eating and, and that sort of thing. I mean, you can kind of think of this as maybe even, and some people have talked about this as maybe even a little piece of of this, what's left over from evolutionary history, this, this tendency to go into a hibernation mode in the winter, when you think of the sleepiness and the eating and the not yes. having energy. Um, and that in evolutionary history, there probably was, you know, it was adaptive to, to hang out in your cave and, eat, you know, eat your supplies and not waste your energy and that sort of thing. And so, you know, again, Um, you know, typically we see this in more pronounced form when we get into the twenties and in the thirties, but you can definitely see it in teens in some cases. Yeah.
0: And the last thing that really helps me handle my depression in the winter is being proud of myself for the smallest accomplishments ever, taking a shower really small um, getting out of bed as far as like making it so I don't crawl back into it but I always have like a blanket laid out on my bed so if i am watching tv i can like be under the blanket because then i'm less tempted to actually get in the bed if i'm like cold heating blanket helps too best investment of my life by the way was this heating blanket so yeah it could be something stupid just like doing a face mask or taking care of my skin like just washing my face or something um putting on makeup is a huge accomplishment that i feel real proud i take a million selfies to make myself feel better whenever i have makeup on in the winter because I don't normally put on makeup in general, but let alone in the winter, that's like the worst time. Making my own food instead of eating out is a big one. Whenever I have the energy to like actually cook a meal or something, I feel really proud of myself. So it's just little things like that. You have to feel gratitude and like, you know, proud that you accomplished something even when you're struggling so much. Cause I know how hard it is to get out of bed, let alone have the energy to do anything else but lay in bed and watch TV.
1: Yeah, I I totally feel there are days where my body just doesn't want it just feels tired. You know, it's just like, I can't do anything like I can barely, you know, go from the couch to the table. And I said, you know, it's just there are days where my body just does not want to do anything. And yeah, I try to give myself grace with it, too. You know, i um over the little things, you know, you're up and around. I And one, my, I have some girlfriends who make fun of me. I put makeup on every day. I have to, is one of those things to like, make me happy. You know, I got, I got to put clothes on. I have to get dressed. I cannot stay in pajamas or sweat. Like I got to get fully dressed and do my hair and do my makeup. And that is just a part of me trying, I mean, I know I'm not going anywhere. Nobody's going to see me besides my children, and my husband, but it's just, I, I try to do these things because yeah, it just, I gotta, well, I gotta and, get myself motivated a little bit.
2: Identifying things that, you know, make you feel good. And kind of really giving yourself a little bit of self care in terms of thinking about what's going to, what's going to help me feel good or what I'm, what am I going to enjoy? And I think it is really important. Like you said, um, you know, the grace and the sort of, um you know, there's a lot of literature on self-compassion and not being sort of harsh with yourself, that this is a challenge you may have to deal with that some other people don't have to deal with. Um, But treating yourself with kindness, um, trying to identify some of those things that do help you to feel good, whether it's, you know, maybe lighting a bunch of candles in your house if you don't like when it's dark at night. Um, You know, maybe you can change the feel by lighting some scented candles or listening to certain music, but trying to look for um, you know, some some pieces that you would enjoy and then setting, um, you know, setting small realistic goals. So my daughter actually was joking with me the other day and she said, you know, I just reward myself for everything I do. I get up and eat breakfast and I'm like, you go, girl, like you ate your breakfast. And then you know I put on my makeup. I'm like, what do do? Look at that and stuff. And she said, you know, I just feel like I have to reward myself for every little thing. And you know, but but rewarding yourself then, you know, setting some small goals and rewarding yourself for that, whether it's you know maybe a ten minute walk, um, you know, when you don't really feel like it, and just tell yourself I'm just going to go out for ten minutes. Um, but yeah, I think that that's you know it can keep you going and it can motivate yeah. you and it can can help you get through kind of step by step. Yep. You
1: know, Yes. Yeah. I love that. I, I my husband um, comes home on lunch, partly because I think he wants to make sure that we're all still okay yep. here because, you know, virtual school with the children, <laughs> is checking in on all of us. But um, every time he comes home now, I, he knows like, I don't, I, we don't have lunch together. It would sound nice, but he has lunch with the kids, which is great. It's something that we'll never get back. He won't be able to do that again. And I go for a walk. I got to get out. I it's 20 minutes. So I go for my walk and I come back and then it's just like a nice reset a little bit. And on those days where it has been sunny in Michigan, it's just been glorious. Like there are days where I'm almost itching for him to get home. I was like, when is he going to get home? It's sunny outside. It's sunny outside. Like I just cannot wait to get yeah, outside perfect. and feel the I sunshine mean, like on my face.
2: Example: Something to look forward to kind of taking care of yourself and with the nice silver lining that he gets special time with the kids too. So
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, another thing that I wanted to just see if you could touch a little bit on was if you notice this in your friends, what do you think that you could do to help somebody who you think may have seasonal depression? Like yeah, how, that's a really how would question, you go man. about that?
2: Um, I think the first thing is not to dismiss it um, because it is, you know, for people who don't tend to be sensitive to these patterns, it's easy to imagine that this is um, maybe You know, maybe something that is kind of trivial or someplace where the person's just kind of complaining, but it really isn't like that. This is really serious. And even if you're not affected by it, um, it is something that is very real, you know, with the person who's experiencing it. So not to trivialize it and to take it seriously and be, you know, sort of empathic about the challenges Um, but I think that the other thing is, um, like I said, it's really important for people to maintain social connection and that's good for everybody, whether you struggle with seasonal depression or not. Um, so maybe encouraging and reaching out to that person to, to identify some things that you guys could do to get together. Um, like I mentioned, some of my friends actually have this. And so we've got this winter hiking group and we have a group of five of us and just kind of send out a message. Like, does anybody want to go on a hike? Um, and you know, some people, um, are more likely to do it than other people, but we keep everybody in the loop. You know, we're communicating with everybody. And so just to stay in touch, whether it's sending just a text message, hey, how are you doing, or arranging to actually do an outing or something like that, it gives the person something to look forward to. Um, You know, it gives the person some social connection. It lets the person know that you care about them. And so it really does like several things at the same time. Um, and also, if if the person is really feeling like it's starting to crush them, I really would encourage them to try to seek some professional help. Um, it's definitely the case that mental health professionals are trained to deal with this. Um, Again, some of the strategies that we use with other types of depression in terms of looking at patterns of thinking, um, looking at stresses in your life, um, looking at ways that you can um, take better care of yourself or set up uh, reward systems for yourself can all be extremely helpful and professionals can help with that. Um, And so for people who are feeling overwhelmed, sometimes it's difficult for them to have the energy to reach out to get the help. And so for you to actually work with them to try to get them connected um, to a professional um, can be extremely helpful, you know, in terms of just encouraging them to do it, letting them to know that there's help out there and, you know, maybe helping them identify somebody that they can reach out to. There, there is, you know, during the pandemic, therapists are um, definitely available. They're holding online sessions um, and, you know, it may not be the ideal that we want, but the reality is that therapist can can really create a relationship with you and provide a lot of support and assistance um, via these online sessions. And medication is also really helpful. Um, the medication that's most commonly used for seasonal depression is one called Wellbutrin, or um, the generic name is Bupropion. And um, that medication is one that a lot of people uh, find benefits from that's used typically to treat depression. Um, and that tends to be particularly useful with seasonal depression.
1: Is that something too? I just thought of this. Um, so, say you have seasonal depression and you have tried some of these other ways to to kind of cope, and none of them seem to be working, and you seek um, professional help, and you try this medication. Is that something that you would typically say? I mean, I know every case is um, is different. That they would just take during those months, then, or is this something that they? Would want to stand yeah, on pop up really and take all year around. stuff. Because still. when you
2: look at the patterns that people have, there is some variability person to person in terms of uh, the patterns. Because you have some people that have seasonal depression. I mean, on average, it lasts for about five months, but you have some people who it seems to continue to linger through the rest of the year just in milder form or in a slightly different form. Like it doesn't look exactly the same, but it's like even during the summertime, they still. Um, notice that they have some symptoms, and so, depending on the person's pattern, the professional who prescribes actually would um, work with the person to decide what the best pattern is um, but um, i'm I'm just looking here because i I had a study in front of me that I wanted to check um, and so they're they're saying here that um that for most of the people, they're actually continuing to take it throughout the year. So you're taking it, you know, before you hit those winter months. So ideally you would start it like maybe in September. And because a lot of people don't pull out of the depression until like April, a lot of people will just continue to take it like through the year. That's definitely what my daughter does. Um, It does take with these medications, it does tend to take usually about, Six weeks to be able to feel the therapeutic effect and depending on how you respond to the medication um, after six weeks, they may choose to increase the dose. So the challenge is that going on it and back off it sometimes ends up being time-consuming enough and only leaves you a couple months in the summer that you aren't taking it, that some people may choose to just take it year-round. And in fact, the pattern for typical depression um, is that we don't really recommend that people go on and off the medication. We recommend that once a person begins to take the medication, they usually continue to take it for two to three years because the data suggests that when you go off it, that you're likely to have a relapse. That's traditional depression. Um, So we do have um, a tendency to recommend that people just take these medications on an ongoing basis for a period of time um, if they're if they're struggling
1: Right that makes sense yeah well, I think that's really all that was great Mary I really appreciate talking through some of that and I just I really hope that this will will help some people who especially um, through this pandemic and who are living in this area who kind of feel like this right now who have, feel like it's dark and gray and are having lack of energy and um, just kind of feeling this through, through the, yeah, all of these like I winter, said, long winter months. It's definitely something
2: that we struggle with here in Michigan. And um, it's definitely something where if this is something you've experienced, it's not in your head. Um, you know, it is a very real thing. You're not alone. There are other people who experience this as well. Um, And um, and it is something that that can make life hard in the winter months in Michigan. Some some people find that they start to dread winter because they expect that this is going to happen. And um, and like I said, having kind of a strategy, if you know it's a pattern, can be helpful. And, you know, uh, it's just a final point that I want to make is, um, you know, if you are a person who is prone to this and you're at a phase of your life where you have some flexibility People who experience uh, seasonal depression in Michigan who moved down to Florida typically don't have it anymore. So because it is associated with this light exposure. And so, um, you know, for people who, you know, maybe are retired right. age who are thinking about where they want to locate. It's just, um, you know, worth mentioning again that that changes to more southern locations um, often can
1: completely eliminate the pattern for people. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I miss the sun for sure. Um, I can't wait for oh, it to be spring and to start warming up here. So, Thank you for joining us on this episode of Gum, Something to Chew On and our discussion with Mary Rusa about seasonal depression. If you have any questions, drop them below or you can head to our website, gumonline.org.